Hi, and welcome to the final episode of this new series of Get Ready, The Cost of Doing Business, hosted by me, Libby Potter. I'm a former host of the BBC's Money Programme, and subsequently I've presented or hosted quite a few business podcasts. This mini-series for the London Business Hub will uncover how businesses can navigate the challenges brought on by the cost of living crisis. In each of the episodes in this series, we'll feature SME business owners and experts to talk about topics really relevant in the SME space right now. And today, we're talking about starting businesses during the cost of living crisis. We'll discuss the challenges of starting to trade with people who've done it themselves and talk about how you can launch without fear. Plus, we'll provide you with lots of tools to help you get started. So what challenges are businesses facing during this time and what are the opportunities ahead? To discuss these questions and more, I'm joined by Wesley Baker, the CEO of Blue Strawberry, Richard Burge, the CEO of the London Chamber of Commerce, and Dan Pratt, a business consultant and consumer service expert. Welcome to all three of you. Firstly, I'd like to get a bit of an introduction from yourself. So, Wesley, can you tell us a bit about you and what you do and what you have done? Certainly. I'm a CEO of Blue Strawberry, which is a potential new unicorn business. Uh, we all say that, but uh, it's a fantastically fast-growing um, generative AI social media management tool. Before that, uh, I've been CEO of a medical device company for seven years and hosted a whole run a load of different type of businesses, um, right up to PLCs. That really is my rounding. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm an adventurer. I love travel and uh, I like taking a challenge in life, really. Fantastic. Richard, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Richard. I'm the Chief Executive of the London Chamber of Commerce, which is one of the 53 accredited chambers across the whole of the UK, which constitutes the British Chamber. So I cover the whole of Greater London as a Chamber of Commerce. We turn over £10 million a year with 70 staff. So uh, I might advise businesses, I might help businesses, but I'm actually running one here in the city as well. So I, I know what it feels like at the sharp end. And Dan, could you tell us a bit about yourself, please? Uh, yes, so my name is Dan Pratt. I'm the founder and director of DAP Consultancy. Um, we're a customer experience uh, consultancy and uh, myself, um, a customer experience consultant specialist and expert. I spent the last 12 years working in various different customer experience roles throughout different industries, um, operating in different customer experience practices from CRM to customer service um, to retentions and, and so forth. And um, yeah, and I started my business uh, about a year ago uh, during quite uh, difficult times, obviously. And uh, since then, I've been working very closely with uh, a lot of SMEs, um, startups to get them to a point where customer experience is, is uh, satisfactory and more so. They're at that point where they need to highly consider customer experience, but they don't have the huge budgets to employ a whole team or head of customer experience. And uh, that's kind of where I, where I fit in. And um, so that's, that's me. Very nice to meet everyone. Great. Nice to meet you too. We're looking forward to getting into some more detail on all of that. But first, we'll start as we always do, which is to, to sort of get a measure of, of where we are right now. Richard, could you tell us uh, in more general terms, in your language, what we mean by the cost of living crisis and how it's affecting businesses right now? Well, I think the, the, 
the cost of living crisis is basically a situation where you are worried that are you going to earn enough money to pay your bills? And that can be in a personal sense in terms of your home, um, but also in a business. It's the same thing. The added complexity is that as a small business owner, you're also faced with the worry about your own personal circumstances and the circumstances of your staff. I mean, I keep reminding people that businesses are run by human beings and they are just as affected by the crises that affect their colleagues and their staff as, as they are by their own personal crises. So the defining characteristic of the cost of living crisis is worry and concern. And for businesses, it can often be because if you don't keep cash flowing in your business, your business will stop. Uh, you worry because then people aren't going to get paid. You're not going to be able to pay yourself, and that exacerbates your own personal cost of living crisis. But also restarting a business that stops trading is very difficult. You lose your customers. You lose the confidence of your suppliers. So it is a very, very worrying time. And it's also a time where you have to both be brave and adventurous, uh, but keep your nerve and keep a very close handle on the detail of what's going on in your business, particularly the flow of cash. Wesley, is that something that you have seen reflected uh, in your industry and in, in the businesses that you uh, have encountered? I mean, what are you seeing businesses face at the moment if, if they're trying to start trading right now? I think the, one of the biggest problems we have, for, and it's, it's a UK problem, actually, I'll focus on that a little bit, is negativity. Um, we tend to talk ourselves into situations. There is a cost of living crisis, so we can't deny that. But we, we, we can openly say that there are opportunities within it. So that, that's the first point I want to get across, um, that we shouldn't talk ourselves down so much all the time. And it's one of the, as an entrepreneur, it's one of the biggest issues I always face is negativity. Now, what, what challenges am I seeing? Well, ready, available cash is obviously a, a crucial point for any startup business. And, and what tends to happen is a startup will look for money from many different sources, but often it will be early, early stage investors, the business angels and people like that. And, and suddenly that dries up. That is critical at this moment in time, I think, uh, with a cost of living crisis. And finding where that money is becomes crucial. And also finding the right, um, the right market to put your business into. So those are the issues that really I see that, that, that are out there. Um, and I've come across some very interesting experiences in the last week dealing with people in Silicon Valley in, in California compared to here. And, and these differences are, are huge, where when you're raising money in the UK, you're expected to make a profit so many years on and you're expected to do this. And and the, and the, the companies in the US are saying, well, no, we're not expecting anything for five years. And, and where we might, say, for example, ask for 500,000, they're saying, why are you not asking for, for 5 million, 10 million? Because in the UK, if I went to someone for 5 or 10 million, we wouldn't as a startup. You know, very rarely do you get that type of money as a startup, but in the US, that's a different thing. So there's economies of scale going on as well. So there's a lot of a lot of positives and a lot of negatives around. But you have to make sure that you you build around you a bubble of positivity in in a negative environment. Very much so, Dan. Is, is that something that you can can possibly echo? I mean, do you see that the businesses that you are dealing with are suffering from doom and gloom, and that's actually holding them back? I mean, what are they? Clearly, there's a real crisis but is it is that kind of general mood holding people back do you think 
Yeah, it's, it's a, diff- a difficult one, especially with startups and um, and small businesses. It's about gaining reputation and gaining that clout. And traditionally, the best way of being able to do that is by having big marketing budgets in order to get exposure. Um, so a lot of businesses now, as a startup, uh, you're having to be more smarter and to in order to get that reputation. So it's about offering um, something that's better than others. So obviously good isn't good enough anymore. It's about being exceptional. And it's about offering that insurance as well, where you don't have that legacy or that historic value of trust with a customer. It's about offering something that can be determined as that level of trust. So it could be something as simple as a 30-day money-back guarantee. It could be about shouting about your recovery processes, those quick wins in place that you're shouting about. And, and and that's the key thing. It's trust. And the pound nowadays is very hard earned by everybody. And it's very well kept by everybody because we have to be careful with what we spend money on. And people are becoming more and more selective with where they spend their money. So websites such as TripAdvisor, which are relatively free to use and to market, that can create those great opportunities to show value and show trust to your customers. Without the huge sums of investment, it's about really, really being personal and human with those people, showing them empathy, showing them sympathy don't break any promises if you say to somebody you'll get back to them later you do um, and if it's some if there's a delay for whatever reason that has to be corresponded to with the with the customer and make sure that the means of your delivery are, are kept and manage expectations correctly all these little things that do not cost money is is what companies need to do if you was to meet a friend for a coffee and you were going to be late you would message them to say you're going to be late same principle applies in business and there's lots of small things that can come around for free which companies now really need to utilize rather than relying on those heavy marketing and investments, um, as Wesley said earlier. One of the things that we've, we've, I've really emphasized with, with my uh, employees is that the, the customer service aspect is that we go above and beyond with every single customer. We have a, a very low churn, which is uh, people leaving, leaving our system. Um, so what we, even when we're going to lose one, we go about above and beyond to try to retain them in some way. Uh, and I think that is what makes a big difference. It's just going that extra mile, always going that extra mile. Because the feed on, I, I, the way I look at marketing at the moment in, in this crisis is that every single customer is my marketing tool because I can't afford to go out and spend 10 million on marketing. So I have to use every single customer as my tool for marketing my product. I was going to say, Dan, so, so you, you started to offer some solutions, which is, you know, great. And we're going to go much deeper into that. But, um, are you generally in agreement that actually for startups it's access to to cash to that initial cash that may have been much more freely available five years ago than it is now is that is that what you're seeing businesses reporting to you as being the major problem so in in regards to that that's exactly it the the money that's spent and, and as Wesley said then about retentions that's a really key point you've spent a lot of money uh, to attract uh, these customers a lot of effort to attract these customers you have these customers and it's going to be harder to get a new customer than to keep an old customer so historically we always used to see these new offers for new customers and and people kind of forgot about their the previous customers but now in this current climate the valued customers are the existing customers. This is what businesses need to focus on and and really, really drive their, their opportunities towards because churn and retention now is much more significant than it ever used to be when, when attracting new customers is very difficult. I, I think um, the principal thing is stay calm. Uh, you know, Don't panic. Remember, you're not in a war zone. I've just come back from Ukraine. You're not a business in Kiev. So nobody's going to die because of the decision. So just put everything in proportion and stay calm. 
I think the important thing is work out where your cash is coming from. I mean, most businesses, of course, in Britain, uh, because we've got a huge problem in private equity getting into small startups unless they're potential unicorns, unlike America, where there's a lot of money going around interested in companies which are not going to have monumental growth, are actually just going to be good companies employing a few people and turning in a decent profit. Uh, you, you're either funding it yourself or you've borrowed some money from the bank. So the first thing is map your cash flow very carefully. Don't spend money where you don't need to. But equally, if you've got a debt, pay it. You will never recover if you get a reputation for being a bad payer. So always pay the debt you owe. Just try not to incur the cash, the cost in the first place. And talk to the person who's lending you money. If it's your mum or your dad, talk to them. Uh, if it's your bank, definitely talk to them. If you've got an investor, talk to them. And one of the ways you can cut your cost is, is to do almost what Wesley's saying, is, is, is try and sell your product. Spend less money and spend time developing your product um, because you're not marketing. To use that, try and turn that cost of living crisis time into an advantage, which may actually just give you an opportunity of spending less money and just focusing on getting your product absolutely right, whether it's a service or a physical thing. This is obviously what a lot of companies and people we, we want to do. We cut those subscriptions we're not using anymore. And businesses are exactly the same. Um, and it's about being smart with your money. So utilize digital self-help and knowledge-based platforms, but don't rely on that. So for example, if you're with an airline, and uh, you want to check the baggage allowance or the arrival or the transition or whatever it may be, you'd probably want to use a, a knowledge base and FAQ system to, to have that. But if you got overcharged on your bank card, that's when you'd want to speak to a person. So it's about businesses being in the right place at the right time for the customer's needs, wants and expectations. And when you can have a quick fix or quick win like an FAQ where it's a simple question, really utilize those self-help platforms because that will really, really bring the bring, bring the cost down it's a lot cheaper to service people people that way than than to have a have a phone call or email and um and emails as well it's, it's useful to pick up the phone and have those conversations because you get everything dealt with in one go email should be for confirmation telephone should be for conversation and if with that that's a really good way of being able to treat customers and and stopping those return calls those return visits to the website um, for the self-help if you nail everything in the bud and get it done straight away again that will save cost on time and labor from your customer experience your customer service teams like i said it's just about having the right sources in the right place at the right time and understanding your customers and that will save a lot of money and resource and time in the long run it's amazing how much much you can resolve in such a short amount of time in a 60 second phone call otherwise that would be three or four emails backwards you'd have to ask a question they would write back they would ask you you have to catalog these you have to keep track of everything you have to file everything you have to if somebody else picks it up they've got to do their detective work and find out what's historically been happening whereas one simple phone call um, we often have those coffee machine conversations in the office where you bounce ideas around in and unexpectedly uh, solutions come out of nowhere and the same applies with customers you have a conversation ask the question is there anything else i can help you with i think in in, in a cost of living crisis, it's also about reminding people it's a human being on the other end. If you just resort to emails, of course they know they know a person sent it, but it's all that's happening is you're receiving a transmission from somebody. You're not engaging in a conversation. And I think in a time of of crisis, uh, is is when you actually engage as a human to human, person to person dialogue. It's 
it, it makes it easier for both sides to try and reach an agreement and try and reach an, a, a process and a way forward. Of course, you then need the email to confirm what you've agreed. Don't just rely on the memories of the phone call being the same. Uh, so confirm that. But but use that phone. I mean, I do, we deal a lot with Africa here at, at the London Chamber. And actually, the number of times you know people in Africa will ring you rather than email. They'll much rather have a, a discussion. Uh, and then the email just says, okay, we've agreed the following, because they value that that human contact. And that's exactly, that's the best way of building those relationships with, with your customers and building those long-term things. And as I mentioned earlier, now customers want brands that they can trust and have that relationship, that personal relationship with brands. We've had that historically with Harrods, with British Airways, because we've grew up with them. They've always been there. But these but new businesses, you've got to very quickly have all that legacy of uh, of relationships and uh, clout in a, in a short space of time. And the best way of doing that is by having a conversation with someone. It's 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 always going to it's human nature. You meet somebody in a pub or in a cafe or in a restaurant, and you speak to them in person. You're going to have a better relationship than a few text messages. It's 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 human nature, isn't it? And that's well, that's what businesses need to utilize is to form those strong relationships with their customers very quickly. So Dan, this is super infectious this this positivity and and it's it's actually like free therapy for me i'm actually taking some some very key pointers for my own business ventures um but there are practical things aren't there that businesses that want to start up in this climate should really bear in mind what are the key things that you think businesses should be thinking about if they have the confidence to to set a foot down in this world right now the, the key things really are um, to be human, to be transparent, to be honest with your customers, to manage expectations. Um, and like we said, pick up the phone uh, is, is about having that personal relationship. People don't want to be speaking to a corporation. They want to be speaking to people. And this is the way that we're moving now. And along with that, there's lots of things that kind of branch off that. Um, lots of good human traits that businesses can use, such as empathy, sympathy. So when things go wrong, it's about asking the right questions, showing that you care, going above and beyond to provide that service. And it's, it's about showing that you're there for the customer and valuing those people. So there's lots of very small things that you could do. So on a, on a customer's birthday, you could send them an email to wish them happy birthday or send them a card in the post or every month, give them a quick call to uh, to make sure that that they're they're happy with the service that they're being given. It's about, it's about being proactive rather than reactive, and and by doing that, all these little steps will really show the customers that you care. And again, these aren't huge money-driven things. Uh, picking up the phone to ask a customer if they're still happy a month later doesn't really cost very much um, in the grand scheme. So it's about being smart with the money you've got and just really, really being human and uh, not looking at the customer as a number, looking at them as, as a real person. Um, that's, the, that's the key thing I would say. Is um, And then uh, along with that, you would then reap all the rewards such as the the, the relationships, the trust, the um, and everything else that goes. And then obviously, ultimately, that leads to incremental spending, uh, better retentions, less churn, uh, and it and it will and it will go. You will see you will see the rewards. The ROI on that on emotions is much more valuable than 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 the cash spending money on a system and and trying to move that from a startup's point of view. That is. I want to pick up on something there, Dan. Actually, it's quite important, but I want to reverse a little bit into something that Richard said earlier. Um, it's to do with suppliers on the same thing. You were talking about customers uh, from that point of view. Uh, my relationship with suppliers is critical. Now, we talked about paying debts early. I enforced in this company that we pay all our debts as, as soon as we can, but there are times when you can't and, the, and things come on. So 
what do I do? Um, and I'll, I'll share this. And it's an old-fashioned, probably from the 1980s, uh, uh, when I when I first saw this happening, is that I actually send at Christmas time and stuff like that a bottle of wine to my suppliers. It's an old thing, but these, yes, but it makes a massive difference because when you actually need people, um, you soon find out who your friends are. And when you've been really kind to them over a period, you send them, you know, a birthday message to your suppliers, not your customers, this is just suppliers I'm talking about. And you send your your, your bottle of wine or, or something else, some flowers or whatever. Um, it makes a huge difference when, you, when you're in need. And they will then turn around to you and say, you know, this company is a good company. And we work, we carry on with them. Now, obviously, when you, in the scale of things, as you get bigger, that becomes harder. But certainly at a startup stage, if you can afford to do it, I would recommend that you keep your suppliers just as close as you do your customers because it's crucial. That's exactly, and, and same with the teams as well. Uh, that when you work with your teams, it's, so I saw two two interesting quotes that I'm going to uh, recite now. So one, um, there was something interesting that somebody in a team asked for a pay rise. Um, and, the, and the manager said, oh, we can't afford this pay rise. Um, spoke to the finance person, said, oh, we can't afford to, to give this person the money. And the finance person turned straight back and said, well, if, if we can't afford to give them the pay rise, then we need to give them the pay rise. Because if we can't afford that, then we can't afford to find somebody else, hire them, train them, take the months to get them up to speed. Uh, so, so we have no choice. And uh, Richard Branson famously said that within your team, if you treat them, uh, train them well enough that they can leave, but treat them well enough that they don't want to, then you set up for success. And people within the team are the face of your business. They are the ones engaging with the customers. So if you want this message to get through to the customers that we've all discussed, then that needs to be led by the team. And that only starts internally. So we all have a responsibility to take accountability and ownership of ensuring that that, that, that happens. So in one of my previous companies, it was a restaurant chain. Um, I had a, a scenario which I came up with a kind of like a campaign. It was called Make Every Guest Feel Special. Fair enough, it was easy enough for the waiters and the chefs to do that by facing customers uh, very nicely and very well. But somebody in the finance team, if we overcharge somebody by 20 quid, can we get that money back to them within a day rather than three to five working days? That will make the customer feel special. Somebody in marketing, are the T's and C's clear that's not going to cause disappointment or confusion to a customer when they get to the restaurant? That will make that guest feel special. So if everybody in the business has that mentality of what can we do to make each other and our customers feel special, then that's that leads to success. In the same way as you try and have a personality with the people you supply, remember have a personality with the person people are supplying you now it's often easier with suppliers people who give you service contracts it's more difficult so having a personal relationship with your water board is slightly more tricky but you should have a personal relationship with your bank and if frankly if you've got a bank who you the only contact you've had is by becoming uh becoming a client through the website and you've and you you're offered the option of a chat box occasionally can i suggest you go and find yourself a different bank same with accountants one of the great uh advantages of uh systems like zero and receipt bank means that particularly small accountants have more time now to spend they spend less time on bookkeeping more time working with you so think about your accountants if you've got an accountant that gets you to to use zero, for instance, um, you should be making sure that actually that accountant is spending time with you one-on-one because they now have the time to do it. And the final thing is on this is, is also your local authority. What we all discovered, particularly in London during COVID, is how little local authorities know about the small businesses in their borough. Uh, the only way they know about you in the past is because you've paid rates. If you're in offices or you're not in offices, they don't know you exist. 
So you need to get to know them. And that means go to the business and go to the go to your local counselor, go to people who are meant to support you. Because if they're not aware you're there, they're not going to be able to help you. And Wesley, it, it reminds me of, of some advice that um, Richard gave right at the beginning, which was to stay calm. It, it's, it's almost like, you know, panicking in the moment because you're worried about this moment is not the approach that that businesses that are looking to to have a long term business success should be taking. Um, is that is that what you see as being the best approach for for businesses? Is just sort of look to the future and what what was that future looking like? Do you think for businesses? I mean, once we're past this crisis, whenever that is. First of all, I think that that is really important. The calmness. Um, I can't emphasise that. There are times that I am really fired up with adrenaline and, and, and anger or whatever else is going on. And they're the worst moments because I, I can make mistakes. And I do. You know, I openly say I make mistakes. And, and, and my team know that. And, and uh, often one of them will say, you know, take, sit backwards, take, take, take an hour, hour out because I will make an irrational decision. But, but that's normal. You know, you get fired up. Um, and so calmness is really crucial. Um, and it looks like it, there are times that when you're running your business, there it will look like all the four walls are kind of coming in towards you. That's never the case. There's always a way out. There's always a, you just have to find it. You may not see it straight away, but it's there. You just I've always said, you know, throughout my career when I, I used to get walls go up against me, I say I'm not worried about that. I just go around the side of it, and I've always done that. Someone puts a wall up, be it a government, be it a policy or whatever. I, I find a solution around the corner. The future, well. We, we will be coming out of this relatively, um, in my eyes, relatively quickly. Some people will disagree with me on that. Uh, that's because I believe that there are fundamental changes going on both in technology um, and in the way that uh, the world is. Unfortunately, we have outside factors. Um, the war in Ukraine, uh, as Richard's just come back from, does have a, has had a massive knock-on effect. The sooner that is over, that will be a massive recovery process straight after that. There will be a bounce when that war is over, for sure. I think it's difficult to say when we're coming out. I just believe, I mean, our company, if we, t- if I take my company as an example, and I'm not going to promote here, I'm just going to tell you, we're growing. Now, businesses can grow in a, in, in a recessive marketplace, and you should address that. Now, my theory has always been, if you can grow in a, in a recessive market, you will do very well when it's not recessive. It's about identifying where that opportunity lies. And this is the hardest you're, you're going to find running a company. So starting a business now is actually one of the best times to do it. Because although it's really difficult, the lessons you learn now are incredible. You'll learn about where, where to find money, um, forums uh, to have discussions with other businesses. You'll meet people um, like Richard and Dan, for example. You, you'll come across this type of people uh, and they help. And, and, and there are always opportunities um, to, to see and do things. And I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend joining Chambers of Commerce, uh, Federation of Small Business, Institute Directors, all these type of organizations, because you get a lot of feedback, a lot of um, information coming through on, you, on your emails, and you can see stuff. And, and certainly, you know, Chambers of Commerce, um, like Richard was talking about, are really crucial in, in, in a regional area. If you have a regional product, um, it can really help. They have a database of, of everyone, all the other companies, and you can do deals with through the chambers in most cases, most chambers across the country, where you can offer your product to the other chamber members, and you can grow your customer base there very quickly without doing much marketing. So there you have a future opportunity, and you can hear my passion coming through now, Libby, so it's starting, I better calm down 
yeah, I think if you look at the London Chamber and also all our affiliated chambers at the borough level, we're constantly holding networking meetings. The giveaway is in the name. It's a chamber. It's a big room where businesses meet and do business together, and that's what we will try to do. The London Chamber, we have an app which people can log into, which gives you access to people and access to markets, and particularly on the international scale. I really do encourage people, even in times like this, to think internationally. I mean, it has to be said, some of your more difficult markets, complex markets, are going to be overseas. You're going to have have to get on a plane, but it's not as expensive as you think. And actually, a lot of the really good markets also have good beaches. And I remind people that the great you know, don't walk away from places which actually can you feel actually it's going to be fun doing work here and fun doing work with these people. And I've used myself many different forums and um, growth hubs around the UK um, and and different organisations that kind of put you in that are funded by by re- local councils by various different areas. And this is a great way for businesses again to to meet each other to share those ideas to to have that support. To is, sometimes it's very very, very lonely starting your own business. And especially in this environment where um, straight out of COVID, where we couldn't travel and meet people as much as possible during the financial pressures where people are a bit anxious, having those people around you to know that that you're not alone, that you're that there's other people in the boat with you is massively important. So I'd advise people to to use, like I said, use the the knowledge bases on websites to use those networking events to speak to people in in your environment, in your circle, and and just get out there. and And it's really great feeling once you actually do speak to people and you and you know you're not alone. and um, And that gives you that power, that strength to to crack on. and And like Wesley said, if you can do it now then it's, it's the best way. It's, it's, it's like how athletes, they train in high altitudes. So then when they when they do their do what they need to do at normal altitude, they've become accustomed to something more difficult. It's a bit like that. So, uh, so yeah, just don't give up. And, and like I said, use everybody around you um, for that support. And that's, that's critical, Dan, actually. Uh, you've, you've said that because I, I think that we were talking about positivity earlier. We said about how to be positive. But when you're with people, there's, a, there's an energy. Genuinely, when you get together, just like we're talking now, there's positivity coming out of this conversation. Uh, and, and hopefully that's feeding through to listeners that, that will take some of this on board and, and learn from it. The more people you meet in a business environment, the better you will be as a business. Plus, you learn. You don't know everything. I mean, you know, I always say I've got the T-shirt, the video and, and everything else in business, but I haven't. You know, I've done it. I've seen it. Uh, been successful, lost the company, gained the company, you know, all this sort of thing. But at the end of the day, I still learn myself, and sometimes it could be the twenty-year-old who's telling me something that I don't know, or it could be the seventy-year-old. It doesn't really matter. But you do learn something, and being in a group of people, you find an energy, and that energy can help your business succeed. And I certainly feel entirely different from when I started the conversation. So thank you for that. Is there anything else that we we need to mention? Don't be taken down by negative thoughts. If you have a dream, follow your dream. Um, your dream can come true. You just need to push it. And there's no one takes away your dream. Your dream's always there. Um, whether there's a market for it, that's different. And that would come by research and everything else. But if you follow your dream, you will be happy doing whatever happens. And don't get depressed. I, I, my final thoughts would be to, to reiterate that exactly, is enjoy the journey. Uh, if you're in a position to be able to start a business, then then that's an incredibly great feeling the excitement of of going and doing this and finding learning along the way and uh, yeah the the best thing is like i said use people around you treat your staff and and customers how you'd like to be treated and just enjoy it really really enjoy the journey yes i think that's absolutely right this has got to be fun if you're not having fun do it go and find something else to do 
because you should have fun in life. You spend a lot of time on this on this entrepreneurship startup journey. And if you're not having fun doing it, then find something you do have fun. Thank you so much to all of you. Wesley Baker, CEO of Blue Strawberry, Richard Burge, the CEO of the London Chamber of Commerce, and Dan Pratt, business consultant and customer service expert. Don't forget to subscribe to the Get Ready, The Cost of Doing Business podcast for the London Business Hub on your usual podcast provider so you don't miss an episode. We'd love it if you could leave a review. It really makes the podcast easier for others to find. And remember, visit businesshub.london, that's businesshub.london, to access a variety of free support programs, advice, and resources relevant for SMEs. Business Ready is a Fresh Air production. I'm Libby Potter. Thanks for listening.